You're listening to Popcorn Poops, episode 98, in which we watch and discuss Matthew Robbins' 1981 film Dragon Slayer for hashtag 80s Fantasy Month. If you'd like to sync this podcast episode up to the movie, go ahead and start the film and then press pause as soon as the title card reading Paramount Pictures Corporation and Walt Disney Productions present fades away. We'll get things started here soon, but first here's a word from our poo pals over at Junk Food Dinner. Do you enjoy movies where scripts and production values are ignored in favor of dudes in rubber monster suits chasing bikini beach girls? Is quality of gore more important than quality of acting? Then Junk Food Dinner wants you. Junk Food Dinner is an explosion of cult movie podcasting, devastating the internet with shrapnel made out of horror, action, and sci-fi flicks. Each week, your hosts bring a favorite movie to the show to swoon over and or hate on. Go to junkfooddinner.com to download some episodes now or search for it on iTunes. We are the Popcorn Poops. Welcome to Popcorn Poops, the best married couple movie podcast slash commentary track hybrid audio program on the internet. My name is Dustin and with me as always is my lovely wife, Jessica. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing okay. I mean... It's the end of the school year, semester, at least, so, you So know, you're busy as fuck. That's correct. Which is why this episode is, if anyone's keeping track, we did, actually didn't hear from any of our listeners, so thanks for that. <laughs> but Thanks uh, for your concern, th- guys. Thanks for your concern. Uh, no, this this podcast episode is is well over a week late, but, you know, we'll we'll get them all in. We'll get all the, the, the fantasy movies in. We promise you guys four in a month, and, and they'll get done. But, yeah, that's just life happens, and, you know, podcast has to take a back and seat. And 40 happened papers to, appear on my desk. That's happened, and... That happened. That has happened so much in the last year and a half we've been back from Japan. And, I, I mean, I apologize for it. I feel terrible about it, but... You know, I mean, it's my fault. Let's be honest. Th- well, let let's also be fair to the times when it's my fault. When you know you're like, okay, well, I can watch the movie and I can take notes, or we can do whatever we need to do to prep. And I'm just like, man, you know what? I'm fresh out of fucks to give. <laughs> like, I, I just can't make myself focus on something. And- but doing doing anything and being in graduate school, like the fact that I get dressed every day, I think is pretty. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, you do well. You don't smell terrible, so right. I mean, you're like hy- I still put on makeup. Right, your hygiene is uh, B minus. You know, and that's I mean, that's that's impressive that's, for graduate school. That is commendable, totally. Um, but yeah, let's. Let's get on with it, as they say. Uh, as always, you can find us on our website at popcornpoops.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. Uh, on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at popcornpoops or individually. I am at Dusty Cram Cram. I am at J Casper Kramer. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. And you can also follow us on our Twitch channel, Pixel Poops. So that's twitch.tv slash thepixelpoops, which is probably going to be changing pretty soon. But if you want to follow us over there, go do that. Uh, if you want to support the show we would very much appreciate that and there are a few ways that you can do it we do have a merchandise shop so you can hop over to our website and click the shop button and buy some t-shirts tote bags uh, buttons and fun things like that you can also donate to the show which we've had a couple of donations uh, the past uh, couple of months that we're very very grateful for and if you donated to our show you know who you are and we very much appreciate that thank you so much um, you can also go to audibletrial.com slash popcorn poops and sign up for a th- free 30-day trial and receive a free audiobook that's yours to keep forever. But probably the very best way to support the show, even above giving perfect strangers like ourselves 
cold hard cash is by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. There's something, some black magic that works with the algorithms on uh, iTunes and Stitcher. And when you leave a rating and review, uh, especially a good one, um, somehow that makes us more visible to other potential listeners. So that really is the best way to help us out because you will be growing the show. And we do like to read our ratings and reviews on the podcast. Uh, Jessica, do we have one to read this week? We do, actually. Well, please take it away. Uh, It is titled Film Nerds and You Non-Nerds Unite, and it is from MurphDog001, and it is uh, my favorite kind of review, a five-star review. a shiny five-star review. Shiny five stars. Yeah. And the content says, love this podcast. The Kramers provide funny and informative audio commentary to a great selection of films. They also sprinkle in trivia and production notes, much of which I had no idea. Makes for a great listen and loyal listener. Thank you so much, MurphDog001. We very much appreciate that. If you would like to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher, we will do just as we did just then. And we will read it on the show. So you can make us say all all kinds of crazy shit. Just put it in the body of the review and listen to it come out of our our dopey mouths (laughs) that's right and as always we do prefer honesty to stars but um i really do like five stars understand our love for five star reviews just understand i don't think we've gotten a single not five star review don't tempt the fates on well i mean it's gonna happen eventually (laughs) but uh, at least on itunes i think we've got one uh yeah i think we have like a one star or something we got one star review over on stitcher go check that out it's it's uh it's pretty good yeah it's Cuts deep. Cuts, Cuts deep. deep. Yeah, Cuts I'll, deep. I'll never forget the pain. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's get on with the show. So we're going to go ahead and start the movie. This week we are continuing hashtag 80s fantasy month with Matthew Robbins' 1981 film Dragon Slayer. So sinkers, press play at the beep after the countdown. Ready? Three, two, one. And we're off. So Dustin. Yeah. Why are we watching this movie? Because I like this movie. God damn it. <laughs> Go ahead and tell us about this movie. <laughs> what do you want me to tell, tell you? Us, tell us about about why. Because I, oh, I, I know you've made me watch it before, but I think every time I watched it before, I just fell asleep. You, I don't know why. But there's this like I haven't I don't have like a super long history with this movie or anything like that. And we do like to talk about our our uh, our histories with the films that we that we discuss. I think I watched this for the first time in college and I wouldn't say I fell in love with it, but I was like, that's cool. Like, I, I like that. I like this better than Labyrinth, I would say. Um, I like this better than Lady Hawk that we watched last week. Um, so I, I would say that I, I am a fan of this movie. If I, if I had to give it a star rating, I'd give it a, maybe a three and a half out of five. Bananas? Three and a half bananas <laughs> out of five pineapples. <laughs> that's, that's the rating I'd give it. Um, yeah, I do, I do like this movie quite a lot. Um, I think it looks gorgeous. It does um, look really good. I think the production design. Oh like my he, god! Like this, like this is a great scene to talk about that going into actually because oh we yeah. get to see the inside of Ulrich's 
castle. Ul- and, Ulrich the, the wizard. And, Ulrich um, the magician. And I love the inside of this castle. It's just yeah, like I mean, like I was saying, the production awesome. the production design is incredible. They really they really showcase that from the get go. Um, that's something that that doesn't let up through the entire movie. And that production design, that really really high level of production design, you know, crosses right over into their special effects, um, which of course are dated now. This was 1981, but good God Almighty, that dragon, the dragon looks incredible. Yeah, like it lo- it just looks great. The scenes with the dragon are now granted when he's like when magic. he's like flying and stuff. It's you know. Oh yeah, well I mean you you know you've <laughs> you know you've got that that overlay effect that you see in like the old Star Wars movies where like there's the kind of the, the harsh black line around where they've they've superimposed mm-hmm. you know the image of the of their special effect onto you can see it in um, of course they've cleaned it up for. Uh, the special edition releases, but uh, if you can if you can get your hands on like an older copy, an older VHS copy of like Return of the Jedi or something, um, you can notice that kind of stark black line around like the Rancor as it's approaching Luke Skywalker in Jabba's palace and things like that. But yeah, I mean, just the look of this movie. Is I love, great. I love the look of this scene right here the, where he's he's chanting over the cauldron and and just the. The fire, the and weird the, rotoscope animated fire, <laughs> and the and the dungeon and stuff, and his castle, just all of it looks wonderful. Yeah, so I mean, this movie sets a really great tone for itself. Um, I think that that it it is more adept at maintaining that tone, setting and maintaining that tone than like we've already mentioned, Lady Hawk from last week, um, partially because of the. <laughs> The, the music isn't as offensive. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll as, talk a lot we about talk, that. We'll talk um, about the music, but um, but your history though, like you, so you watched it in college. Watched it in college. Uh, didn't fall in love with it, but liked it enough. Um, I've watched it probably maybe once or twice since. Um, and then with you, there's always been this thing, and I don't know what it is, but there's always been this thing where I will mention Dragon Slayer. I will mention watching Dragon Slayer. Like, you know what we should watch? We should watch Dragon Slayer. I really like Dragon Slayer. I haven't seen it in a long time. Let's watch it. And you'll be like, no, I don't like that. I don't I don't like that fucking movie. Is that how I talk? Death. Death? Death is how hmm. Jessica. I don't think that's how I talk. Welcome to Popcorn Pips, the best married couple movie podcast slash commentary track. Hybrid audio program. I don't think that's how I talk at all. On the internet. I never said I didn't like this movie. It's just, okay, I have a problem with our main character. Our main character or our leading man? Um, what do you mean by our main character? The protagonist? So you don't like Galen? Oh, okay. You're, I, well, okay, I have issues with Galen, yes. But more importantly, I have issues with the... Peter McNichol. Actor. Okay, so are, you don't have a problem with the character, necessarily. I mean, I do. I don't like him as a character, I mean, he's really. A, he's, a, he's, a, he's a stock character, and I get it, but it, I don't know. I think, he's, I think he has, like, confusing motivations He's kind of stuff. that. He's kind of, and you can't, I mean, I think we managed to get through all of, 
Lady Hawk without mentioning Joseph Campbell, but that's not going to work with Dragon Slayer. <laughs> um, are he, we gonna Are we gonna invoke the JC? Yeah, he is kind of the the stock Campbellian uh, uh, reluctant hero, the Luke Skywalker. I don't, if you will. but I don't even know if he's a reluctant was, and, hero. Right, exactly, like he seems to be. It, it, right now, he does. Right but now in about does. five minutes, he's gonna be like, "Whoop to do, bomb the sorcerer." Yeah, and that's and it's weird. Know, it's there, weird. There is a weird character change. Okay. But besides will, that, let's not even talk about Galen. I will accept your criticism of Galen. I think it is a valid criticism. But watch your fucking mouth about all I can think Peter of. Peter McNichol, my all friend. All I can think of is Ghostbusters 2. He's amazing in Ghostbusters 2. He is, I know he's amazing, but the character in Ghostbusters 2 is such so that good. the cringe is so high that I cannot see this face and not cringe. That's what makes that's what makes him so great. He's so good in Ghostbusters too. And I don't know if we talked about this in our Ghostbusters episode. I feel like we should have. Like, did, did we mention the sequel at all? Did we mention Ghostbusters two at all in our Ghostbusters episode? I don't know. Over it's the been, summer, I mean, anything I do like five minutes ago, I completely forget. So, <laughs> okay. So, um, I think that I I'm surprised we did a Ghostbusters episode. We did. It was just this past summer. Um. I, anyway, I don't have a problem with Ghostbusters two. Um. I think that it's fine because. I think that Ghost Ghostbusters as a concept is a like it's a great concept, but I, I think, love I love him doing the the noise and stuff and making oh, the making the whole show. Yeah, this the, tells so much about Ulrich's character. This tells so much. About oh, totally. Because the pomp and circumstance of like him entering the room and Galen mm-hmm. like doing the sound effects and doing the little tricks and you know. Well, because it's unnecessary. Look, he just lit a fire with his magic powers. Like he's super powerful, but, um, but still, we do this whole like like you know fake smoke yeah, behind yeah. him and noise and stuff. It's just super cute. I love it. Let's talk about Janos. Hold on, Janos Poha. It's Peter McNichols' character from Ghostbusters 2. I didn't finish, finish what I was saying about Ghostbusters 2. I like Ghostbusters 2, and here's why. Here's my defense of Ghostbusters 2. Okay? You ready? Here's my I'm defense. Ready. I like Ghostbusters. You don't have to defend it to me. Well, I have to defend it from everybody else. Everybody fucking hates that why movie. Why does everybody I hate that movie? I don't know. Here, here's my defense. Ghostbusters has is a brilliant concept, but functionally, it's a comedy. Like... Yes, it's an adventure movie. Yes, they're both adventure movies, but they are primarily comedies. And Ghostbusters 2 works because the jokes are new and still good. And you've got brilliant shit in that movie like, where are you from exactly? And Peter McNichols' character going, the Upper West Side? (laughs) (laughs) I can't like, I can't even tell the joke without laughing at it. It's. I think it's a. I think it's a pretty great. Is that movie. the one where the woman's um, mink coat attacks her? Yes, which is God, such a which moment. is such a memorable it moment that was supposed to be in the first movie. Really? I think. I think we did talk about that in our did episode. We talk about that? But we are now totally not talking about Dragon. We're Slayer. not. But, but we are. But this is tangentially related. It is because be, because I love Peter McNichol. He is a national treasure. I don't think he's in enough. You say stuff. that about a lot of people these days. There's a lot of national treasures. There's a lot of them. Zelda and, Rubenstein. And Nicholas fucking Cage can't steal all of them, okay? Is Oh, I get the joke now. That's right. I was about to be like, he's oh, yeah. in your list? Yeah. I don't drop, think he's drop, in your list. Dropping the Turtle Taub reference right there. Boom. 
Have you even seen those movies? Nope. <laughs> I don't think I have either. I definitely have not. Um. Anyways, but, but like there's there's this this moment from my childhood that involves Peter McNichol kind of. Um. That's that's. Do we need to talk about this first? Do we need to like have... like press pause on the <laughs> on the podcast and make sure that this is clean enough? No, it's nothing. It's there's there's no PTSD associated. Should with it this have like been that. in like prenups or something no, like no, no, this no. discussion? This conversation? No, no, no. Um, uh, Peter McNichol was in the uh, the Hollywood Mr. Bean movie titled Bean, right? Um, and he, I, man, it's been so many years since I've seen that, but I think he plays Peter McNichol is like the father of the host family that plays host to Mr. Bean. He like lives with them or something, even though Mr. Bean is like a 50 year old man. <laughs> I don't know why he's, he lives with a host family, whatever he's, he's with a host family. That's how I remember it. But Mr. Bean fucks up a painting. of. No, I know adults that go abroad and live with the host family. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's fine. Anyway, Mr. Bean. It's not weird. Ends up fucking up a painting of Whistler's mother. Not unlike, actually, not unlike that person who fucked up that painting of Jesus. Have you seen <laughs> that? Oh my god! <laughs> what? So I can't. I can't. I don't know the whole story, but the pictures out there. There's this. 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 Uh, I think it's a Renaissance era painting of of Christ that someone was restoring. Tyrion. That someone was restoring and they fucked it up and they had to like redraw Jesus' face on it. <laughs> they did a, I mean, like a beyond terrible job. <laughs> so th- this was, I guess Bean was kind of prescient in that Bean fucks up a painting of Whistler's mother in origin, the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, Peter McNichol, who is also like the curator of this museum or something, like he's somehow responsible for the painting. Um, sees it for the first time and it's just like in my memory it's just like five straight minutes of Peter McNichol saying Jesus Christ just over and over and over Jesus Christ Jesus Christ Jesus Christ like over and over and over again and uh, growing up in a very religious I was about to say that that wouldn't have stuck out for me as a kid that was one of those where it's like Take that VCR out of the, take that VHS out of the VCR and you rip that tape out of there right now. And it was one of those. And I was like, whoa. And that's, that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life is Peter McNichol getting me in trouble (laughs) with Jesus. (laughs) So Peter McNichol, if you're listening, thanks. Thanks for getting me in trouble with Jesus. Okay. Well, the only reason I mentioned him and brought it up is because every time I try to watch this movie, as much as I want to love this movie, and I do re... I don't think I can say love this movie. I have... Well, that's also something I I wanted to talk about. I have a couple... I have a couple issues with this movie that keep me from loving it. Do I love Lady Hawk? I love Lady Hawk, but I... Fucking hate the sexist shit in Lady Hawk. Uh, yeah. Um. So that's that's very hard well, for did me. Did we say this on the episode last week? I think I said Lady Hawk is a good sleepy time movie. Yeah. If I don't think about Lady Hawk, then I fucking love it. But if I think about it, then damn, it makes me pissed off. Um. But this, I mean, he fucking tries to kill her. God. Damn it. Okay. This if movie. If I though, can't have her, no one can have her. Well, I want to die, so that means she does too. We don't have to ask her. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. She's fine. You know, if just she, if just she, take my wife and worry, put her on the pyre with worry, me. Worry. If 
if the bell rings, you have to you have to kill her quickly. But if you b- before that, if if you don't do it before, don't you hurt my hawk. Don't you hurt my fucking hawk, okay? Um, that was weird of you. <laughs> so. I don't, it, it started as like my Ted Levine yeah, and I evolved know. into I don't know a something. What it I don't know. But anyways, what I was trying to say though is that this movie, I don't, um, I really like it, and and there are just a couple things that make me not kind of love it, and one of those I think is just is Peter. McNichol's face so and it's not that I have a problem with his face it's that his face makes me think of only his character from Ghostbusters 2 and I love that character but I love it because it makes me super cringe (laughs) and so when I see him in this movie I can't take him like I can't suspend my disbelief and just be like oh fantasy hero I just keep thinking of the creep from Ghostbusters 2. You like I think you like beefier fantasy heroes. I do like beefy fantasy heroes. Stay tuned for next week. <laughs> I th- actually, <laughs> stay tuned for the next two weeks because we we sp- actually no. I like beefy fantasy heroes, but I also love my long They're, long blonde elven fantasy heroes. Right. So so I think I think the thing that this week and last week has in common is we've got the mousy you know, weaselly kind of, yeah, I'm not into that. you know, skinny fantasy hero, uh, last week with, with Matthew Broderick, although we also had Rutger Hauer to be fair, um, last week with Matthew Broderick this week with Peter McNichol. And then we won't say it yet. We're going to announce it at the end of the episode, but next week and the week after beefcakes, total beefcakes. I mean, if we're gonna, I, what do you want to watch in your fantasy movies? I don't know, like you don't, don't care. But I don't have a preference if it's if it's a good story. Like I like Peter McNichol in this. I like no, this. Movie. I know, I know. The story matters more to me too. But um, the damsel in distress is always. I guess you don't have an option because she's always beautiful and dumb. So yeah. so it doesn't really at matter least, for it, you. Well, at least in this, she's you know we've got some. No, 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 no. Yes, you're right. This we've got something, and we're going to talk about not that where it's not it problematic. fails I mean, and yeah. where it does, and it well. does fail in places, and it, you know it is problematic. But I do, th- I, I I feel like that there is there is something to be said about this uh, female lead, this this female, it's uh, this this uh, leading lady, the actress. You mean the actress and the the performance and the role. Uh, versus what we saw last week from, and I love her, but you know M- Michelle Pfeiffer. So um, anyway, let's let's jump back. I've, I missed a whole bunch of stuff. Um, my very first section of notes is is uh, is called the call for help or like the call to action, right? Which is straight up a, a starting point, one, like one of the early starting points in the in the monomyth, the Campbellian monomyth. Um, I did, I mentioned the, the production design, which is great, which is just already like light years ahead of Lady Hawk, even though Lady Hawk came out four well, years Hawk after just this. Doesn't, it just doesn't go as in depth. It doesn't feel as, as carefully done. Um, yeah, I feel like we don't get a lot of interior shots and when we do, it's just small scale. You know what I mean? Well, you know, and I feel like. Lady Hawk is really kind of resting on its historical fiction 
roots and there's not a there's not as many sets there's not as many things that are created mm-hmm. as there are in this movie and by the way we've got this character uh here what's his name hodge hodge yeah um hodge who's just lovely uh scooping up ulrich's ashes from the cremation pyre uh that they just had and uh i just want a note about cremation um ashes cremation ashes don't actually look like that until you've pulverized the bones like you have to actually pulverize the bones for them to do that did you know that? Hmm. I watched a whole video on YouTube about cremation. It was I a, just all I, I was in a dark place. The but. only thing I know a lot about with cremation that's a really cool hat. That's a snake hat. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what Ulrich snake. was wearing. It's a cool snake hat. Um, the the thing I know the most about with cremation is like like uh, Japanese cremation rituals. Right. Um, because I f- did a lot of research for that for a short story I was working on. And um, interesting things about Japanese cremation rituals, like, and of course, obviously, we lived in, well, I mean, it's been a while, so we might have new listeners who we haven't mentioned it every five seconds like we used to. But oh, that's true. But we lived in Japan for five years, so um, so just I know a lot about it because it's of where that. the podcast started. Yeah, we, it we is. started the podcast we in did Japan. At least a year there. On the mm-hmm. podcast, yep, right, yep. About Anyways, a, about a year, yeah. Um, but yeah, so interesting things about Japanese cremation rituals. Uh, they use very long, looks like chopsticks to to pick out the bones after um, after a cremation. Like the family members pick out the bones in the ashes, mm-hmm. and they pick them out so like so that and they put them in a in an urn and. Um, they pick out like the toe bones and the feet bones first and they do it like that going up so that the person is not buried upside down, so to speak. Yes. So, so that's pretty interesting. Um, but then I've also heard of, yes, I know what you're about to say. Go ahead. I've also heard of, of some very, very small, maybe it's just one, but I, I heard about this one very small Japanese village, um, that in their local lore, they, there's, there's some, but it's that they don't cremate, though. They don't cremate. But, which is weird for Japan. But there is a fear of like the dead returning to mm-hmm. life. Um, and that's something that they don't want to happen so that they they bind the bodies that they don't cremate. And they don't cremate in, their, in that particular village or that particular culture's customs. For whatever reason, they don't cremate. So they bind the bodies in a fetal position and bury them upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if they were to come back from the dead and they clawed out and they started claw, trying to claw their way out, they would be digging themselves farther into the earth yeah, rather than the correct way out. Right. Which is super interesting. Yeah. But um, anyways, going back to something to do with this movie. So he he was walking here and he's he's like doing magic now right like real magic like he's right. got he, the god and he's fu- a dick all of a being sudden an, too. being an asshole to Hodge yeah he's a super asshole to Hodge but he's like Hodge making... also of course is played by Sidney Bromley who's uh who's also are you gonna say a national treasure god damn it yes I was I was gonna say he's a national he's a national treasure um so so he's making the the egg float in the air while he's walking and then he's lifting off the pack off of Hodge's back and and lifting off his cloak and stuff cuz he wants to see old man chest I guess and um and I guess I'm kind of confused at this point because we later learn much right at the end of the movie pretty much that 
The whole reason he's able to do any of this stuff is not because he has magic, but because he has this magic stone necklace. Yes. Um, which was left to him by Ulrich when Ul- Ulrich sacrificed himself and died at the beginning of the movie. Um, and and it was left to him, and so he carries it around, and that's the reason why he has magic. And when it's taken away from him, he can't use magic anymore. And at the end of the movie, when he when Ulrich comes back, spoiler. Um, when Ulrich pulls a Gandalf the white and comes totally. back at the end of the he's movie, he's even wearing white, and and he shows up. Um, Galen's all like, "I thought I was a sorcerer, but I'm not. I'm not anything. Whatever." And so you realize that he didn't have any of this magic to begin with. Why is he not shocked that he can do magic all of a sudden? I don't know. Is what I'm getting to. I'm I'm not sure. And like we 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 mentioned like this character flaw or this development flaw I feel in his character. Um where he goes from being very meek and humble and subservient to Ulrich to the moment that Ulrich dies he turns into an asshole who thinks he's the cat's pajamas, mm-hmm. um, that he's the, this great sorcerer, and that he doesn't seem to be f- afraid at all, like on any level, that mm-hmm. he's about to go face a real fucking dragon. Right, yeah. Which to me seems like a complete turnaround from the character that I expected him to be, and that he was kind and of that he was kind of presented, presented as, as, as at the in the first the... you know three or four minutes of the movie. Which I know you're sitting here going three or four minutes, like that's not a big deal, but that's our introduction to our character. Well, I mean, it's the it's the ducky problem, mm-hmm. you know. We, oh God, that's right, the ducky problem. It's the ducky problem. I will never get over that. The first couple of minutes that we see Ducky, he's introduced as. I mean, he says some terrible fucking shit to some girls in his high school. Yeah. And that sets him up as a particular kind of character that he never actually ends up being. Like, he never lives up to what he's set up as. But, but I mean, that that's a, it, that's it, a real problem. It screws me up for a large part of the movie. Look, whatever you think of your characters during the first... It's just like first meetings, right? Yeah. I mean, this is storytelling basics here, but it's first just, impressions. Yeah. It's first impressions, first meetings, and those like in real life when you first meet a character, whatever you get right then sticks with you, and it can change, of course, and hopefully your character will change throughout the course of the story. But, but you're gonna the readers are gonna be left, or the viewers are gonna be left with that image kind of in their mouth, and image and, in their. It, it, oh, the taste. The taste oh, okay, yeah, the okay, taste of the image, like in the back of their mouth for for the duration of the film or the it's, book yeah, or whatever it, it is. Right. It leaves a okay. I see what you're saying. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Got it. Oh, or or just a whatever taste. Like like it's gonna be there. I'll never forget. Damn the Wheel of Time books by Robert Jordan. I will. I've. I don't think I've told this story on here before. I don't think before, you have. But this is a perfect episode to talk but, about it. But but I've I've complained about this to many people many times, and it's really I don't think Robert Jordan's fault. I think it's my fault. But um, oh God, and I'm not going to remember any of the characters' names because it's been a couple years since I've read any of the books. But there's a a character in the small town where the story starts, and she's a wisdom, um, which is like their. I had a healer kind of lore important sort of person named support in, right. support class yeah um in 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 this fantasy world and um and I missed very early on uh, I think it was probably just in one sentence I missed or did not read carefully enough or whatever that she is supposed to be very young for this position and so 
I went this whole novel thinking that she was what my image of a wisdom. God, those claws coming up over the rocks are so good. Respect to this this virgin who's escaping these shackles. Yeah, respect to this virgin. Tearing her her wrists up. Oh, yeah. This is just the first of some gore. Like, and I would count this as kind of gore. It's mm-hmm. bloody. It's a little bloody. Um, it's oh, the first look of at that some, dragon. It's of so some good. Surprising gore in this movie. And also this scene, pause in my story for also this scene is just surprising to me. The first time I sat down and watched this and... And I mean, we set it up, right? She gets away. We see her getting away. She actually does get away here. Um, and and a, we know there's a horse. See that shot right there? Totally. I mean, totally a, uh, a Jurassic Park, yeah, borrowed yeah. for Jurassic Park shot. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Jurassic Park, both Dennis Murin and Phil Tippett worked on this movie. So I think that is uh, more than enough evidence to... To suggest that that dragon foot coming down into the puddle of water um, was definitely borrowed was, by was Spielberg. Borrowed. <laughs> yeah. So so we even had that horse right there, too. And we had this setup of the princess is getting away. She's brave enough and tough enough to rip her wrists out of those shackles. And she gets over to the horse. And, and I assume she's going to get away. And bitch doesn't. They burn her. She's a dead virgin. That yep. horse runs off and she is alone and dead. And I was shocked. Props to this movie for going there. And Dragon is munching on some virgin bacon. Anyway, so back to my story. Um, you know, which, and that's a, that's a thing about virgin sacrifice. Like, on one hand, when I think about like virgin sacrifice, I'm like, as a trope, what a silly concept that like, in order for whatever it is that you're sacrificing to to be pleased that the usually female uh, uh, young woman sacrifice uh, has to be a virgin, uh, has to be untouched by a man in a sexual way, mm. how silly that is. But since it's a dragon and the dragon is presumably going to eat the virgin as food... There's a part of me that can kind of understand not wanting my food to have been touched by a penis. <laughs> I mean, we're going to go get Taco Bell after this. Oh, my God. And if I found out that someone had touched my... Like my, stuck their dick in the beans or had, something? Had, someone had fucked my double-decker taco. <laughs> I'd be like, yo, I asked... Swirled it around a bit. <laughs> I asked for a double-decker taco... Not a double dicker taco. That wasn't funny. Oh, look, peen. There's peen and penis, boobs. Penis peen and, and boobs. boobs. Penis oh and boobs. Oh, my God. This is a Disney movie. This is a Disney fucking movie. This movie has gore. It's violent. It's bloody. And we got some nip. We got some There's side mound of pubes. And then we got a shadow of a peen. Shadow peen. There's shadow peen. There's side nip. <laughs> Disney used to have some balls. Oh yeah. And we and we just killed a virgin and we're gonna kill another one. I mean, there are like other Disney movies that have quote unquote nudity in them, like, you know, secret nudity. Like like there's that that shot, there's like two frames in Who Framed Roger Rabbit <laughs> where people claim that you can see Jessica Rabbit's pussy, which I don't know about that. I've seen the frames and I'm like I don't know. You're grasping at straws. 
Um, there is kind of some hidden, there's like a hidden shot in uh, The Rescuers, uh, the first Rescuers movie, where they're like flying by on that bird, um, whatever that fucking bird's name is. And if you pause at the right time, there's one frame in there where like in, through the through an apartment window in the background, you can see a poster of, of a woman, a topless woman. Really? Yeah. Um, but it goes by so fast. It's like literally one frame. It's, it was just hidden in there. There's nothing hidden about the nudity in this movie. Right. It's just there. It, it's just there. Shadow peen. And inside. it's Mulan as fuck too. We didn't oh, totally. mention that, but that scene where, where he finds out that, um, what's her name? Valerian. Also, we Valer- haven't, right. we haven't mentioned it, but, uh, we have I too much f- to well, mention. Okay. I feel like Valerian, I feel like this and, um, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, Song of Ice and Fire are not the only places that I've heard Valerian before. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, in fact, I'm sure that it probably has a meaning in like Latin or something. Uh, but um, that on top of the fact that there's a character in this movie named Tyrion, spelled mm-hmm. differently. And Valerian spelled differently too. Valerian spelled differently too, but there's a character, this character that we're seeing here in this vision in the water, um, named Tyrion. And then also George R. R. Martin is quoted as having said that the dragon in this movie is the best dragon to ever have been committed to film, meaning that he's obviously a fan of this movie. I, I think it's kind of undeniable that that a couple of things were lifted out of this movie for George R. Martin's books. Yeah. You know. Um, and then they killed fucking Hodge. And this what scene is fuck? so weird it is. because the performances here are kind of weird. Well, the performances are weird, but what's really weird to me is that um, we're talking about the the death of Hodge. Yeah, the death watching. of Hodge, where he he shows up and he's got an arrow, and Galen like saw it in the waters and stuff, and he ran after him. Why only Hodge? Where are the bad guys? Why only Hodge? Did no one else die? They just came and shot Hodge and that was it? And what was Hodge doing away from the rest of the people? I don't don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. There's things in this movie I don't... I feel like they they cut some stuff out of this movie. Maybe. Maybe some stuff was cut or something because there are a few scenes like this one where it's like, I don't understand what happened. Well... well, Oh, and some of the action scenes later. I I think it's pretty obvious that they cut some stuff out. I think they probably truncated what was maybe like an action sequence um, of that ended with, you know, the, the this death right of Hodge. here because they had to shoot that stuff. They, like they had to shoot whatever he saw in the water. The vision, yeah. So he had they had to shoot Tyrion coming with his his cronies, you know, riding the horses down the hill. They had to shoot uh, you know, the shot of him uh knocking his bow and drawing it and shit and you know, that that stuff that they had to shoot. So I imagine that that was supposed to be a scene. But this movie's already two hours long, so let's oh just God. be No, I know, I know. I just, it's confusing because it I is. don't understand why Hodge was away from the rest of the people in this party. I don't understand why they specifically came and shot Hodge, and I don't understand where they are. Where did the bad guys go? They just, I mean, we're all really close. They couldn't have gone that far to go bathe, and yeah. it looks like no one else in the party is dead. It looks like everybody else made it. I don't know. It's weird. Okay, Going way back to my story, because I was trying to tell a oh, story sorry, about Wheel of Time about 400 hours ago. Um, I'm, and just, I'm gonna take a nap. What I was, God. <laughs> what I was saying is that, um, is that 
in in the first Wheel of Time book, there's the character called the Wisdom, and immediately if you hear the word the wisdom in a fantasy story what do you think it is it's an old lady right and, and you know it's a woman you, you assume, assume it's an old yeah. you would assume I mean, yeah. it's an old woman assume. and there is this like one line somewhere early on in the book where it says specifically that this particular wisdom is unique because she is so young um, but I missed it or I overread it or whatever I'm gonna default and say it was my <laughs> error and not Robert Jordan's writing, but um, yeah, you better say it's your fault, or yeah, we'll I'm sure, have, we'll I'm have, sure, I'm we'll sure. It's not. No, no, no. I nerds know, trying to kick down our. Door. I know he says it somewhere, but the only thing would be like if it could be explained louder or whatever, more than one sentence or whatever it was, and maybe it's a few times. All caps. Whatever All, that would have helped. All the, caps. The point is, is that I was presuming it was going to be an old lady, and I read over this line, and I didn't noticed that she was young and I spent the whole book envisioning this character as an old lady and and about halfway through the book there's um there's a guy who's a knight who's traveling with them and he's like super sexy cliche knight and there are some moments between them like some flirtatious moments and some romantic moments and I started and like as I would read them I'd be like huh that's a little weird and like that's weird. but, but, <laughs> and but then, pro- probably also at the same time you're like fuck yeah they're gonna all right well I but guess. I thought I thought I wasn't I wasn't reading them as romantic I was just reading oh, them okay. as like huh this dialogue's kind of odd and 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 then like at the end of the book, there's a very obviously like romantic scene with them where he's like, I'm not going back without her and whatever. And he does some drastic thing. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so you start, Hold fl- on. start flipping through the book frantically. Like. What the fuck is. And and I misread their whole relationship because I was picturing her as an old woman. And. And so that's what I'm saying about first first impressions with characters. You've got to get that shit smacked down. And I'm not saying he didn't. It was my fault as the reader, probably. But it's, you got to get it right or you're going to fuck up. I, I missed wonder, out on a whole I wonder romance. If there, I wonder if there's anyone else out there who made the same mistake or like overread the same, you know, missed the same line and had the exact same experience with you. And they're listening to this right now. Like, oh, my God, me, too. Oh, my I God. I was so <laughs> fucking pissed off, too, because I live for that shit when it's like hardcore fantasy and there is some little through line in there of romance between characters. I get super excited if it's done well. And I think he did do it well. And it was a slow build and a slow burn. And and I missed all of it because I wasn't thinking it was a romance. I just thought there was some weird, stilted, strange dialogue. And and now, you know, even I've never finished the series, um, uh, not for lack of trying, but for lack of time. You're, um, you're a grad student. You're too busy making things to read things that also, people have also made. Th- well, you have to you have to There's read a as much as oh, you no, make. I know. But 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 anyways, though, the um, I still have never gotten into their romance because of these two characters because I like I know she's young now. I get it, but I still I've always been fucked up from it, and I hate it because you got this vision in your head of what she looks like, and it's kind of hard. I, to it's been hard that. to rewrite it. It's been like in my head, like yeah. to overwrite the image I had, and that is so disappointing because I've missed out on this whole romance that I'm sure I would have loved. Yeah, I mean, and there, I mean, there's something to be said about like even like in translating you know, making the transition from books to film adaptations. If you know a book really, really well and you've got it in your mind and then you watch a film, no matter how well the film depicts 
the book on its own terms, um, there's still a part of you that's just like, but that's not how I saw it, so it's wrong. Yeah. Or something like that. I'm, you know, I, rem- I remember um, my dad saying something about that when we saw the first Lord of the Rings movie years and years ago. Um, I was just so happy. Like, I had, I had read uh, uh, at least the first two Lord of the Rings books at that point, and I was just so happy that there was a Lord of the Rings movie that I came out of that movie like, oh, it's the best movie I've ever seen in my fucking life. It's so good. Uh, and my dad was like, don't say fuck. And then he no, said. No, he didn't because you didn't <laughs> say fuck. Uh, but dad was like, yeah, it was good, but it's not how I saw it. That's not how I saw it in my head. And I'm just like, wow, that's weird. Yeah, it's like. But it's valid. It's like it's timeline, totally you know, like in uh, my gee, head, it was a good. No. no it was a good no. book. <laughs> And in the movie, no. it was bad. You don't so. get you don't get to talk about timeline <laughs> until hashtag time travel month. Oh my god, I will totally do that movie. I will make I know you sit you through it. I know you. I will. will force you just so I can reread the book again. That's okay. So don't don't good Don't worry, listeners. Don't worry, pooplings. She'll pick timeline, and I'll pick two really fucking great time travel movies, and then she'll pick some other garbage. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, let's go way back and talk about all the things we've missed with this movie. So, um Ulrich's house is in a place called Cragenmore. Yeah. And just in case you wanted to be a super nerd, that's a Scotch whiskey. So you can go get yourself oh. some Crag it's different spelled slightly differently, but almost exactly just one vowel is different. And uh So, what's nerdier, buying the Cragenmore Scotch whiskey? Or buying Dan Aykroyd's Crystal Skull Vodka because you like Ghostbusters? Um, I think Crag and More Scotch Whiskey because because the other one's like promoted by somebody and I feel like, you know, it's just... Or, or is it even nerdier to buy Coppola wine just because you're a film nerd? Because I've done that before. I don't know anything about fucking wine at all. I like the occasional Cab Sav. And uh, yeah, I definitely bought a bottle of of Coppola one time because I was just like, I like movies. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this fifteen dollar bottle. Of wine. I definitely the name of beer and wine definitely influences. Oh, I know it does. <laughs> my, or if it has like a picture of a cat, oh, I like that God. too. <laughs> Anyways, um, so Crag and Moore, I don't like whiskey, but if you do, then you can be a geek and you can go get Crag and Moore and you can be like, and this is where the house of Ulrich is. speaking of Ulrich like I don't remember this being and you're you're way more familiar with um with uh the monomyth than I am but is the sacrifice of the sage-like character part of the monomyth it's not I don't think it's part of like the like like the outer layer like specifically um but it's a recurring trope that does I'm sure the sacrifice I mean it's definitely a trope that happens well, a lot of it, times, well, it definitely so. happens, and it happens in this. You know, it's that, been a minute since I've looked. I didn't look up the monomyth well, I mean, again. I didn't refresh before we watched this episode, though. So. I mean, the first thing, the first thing that I thought of when when Ulrich sacrificed himself, especially in the way that he sacrificed himself, was that was a total Obi Wan Kenobi move. 
Yeah, right. it's the death of the. Se- I mean, it very well may be like in the details, like in the because when you say the monomyth, I start picturing the wheel and right. I start and I start trying to think. But the things that most people put on that wheel, like the big event things, aren't all of the things that are actually obviously on the wheel because like sure. every single one of them has about a gajillion little details that go well, with it. Well, of course, and, and not every single thing on the wheel appears in every single right. Obviously, legend. so. It's, so, so the death of the sage probably is in there somewhere. I would, okay. I would say it probably is because we've got that. Like, like when I saw that, it, we, you know, I, I said that was a, a total Obi Wan Kenobi move. And then when he comes, but the back, meeting of the sage is certainly one hundred percent in there. So, oh yeah, definitely. Um, and then later when he comes back and pulls the Gandalf mood move, that got me thinking about Gandalf's sacrifice in Fellowship. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's totally the same thing. Like, that's exactly what Gandalf does. Well, like, because you have to think about why. Think about it at a story at the storytelling level. Why does the Sage character have to die? Uh, so that so that the hero, the reluctant hero can fall into, Is, un, you know, uncharted waters, right. unfamiliar waters and become stronger they have to be tested they have to do it on their own they have to move along even though the sage isn't there etc etc so um uh what what was i trying to say okay other things i wanted to talk about so i love the i love the moment when ulrich is like talking about the lore and he's in the sense of like talking about the other wizards and stuff or other sorcerers and he's naming them off um and he's and he's talking about uh uh, who were they? The Mary Did Sisters, which oh, yeah. would be an awesome band name, and <laughs> Rimbog, who who killed the Rimbog. Dragon. That sounds like a yeah. sex act. I love I love all of that lore being sprinkled in there. And before he's talking about Bella Sirius wore this outfit before he died when he puts on the robes and stuff, and I was like Bella Sirius. That sounds like some slash fic about Sirius Black and Bellatrix Lestrange from Harry Potter. Yeah. And so sure enough, I go on the internet and there's a bunch out there, of course. And also it seems to be like a popular handle for fanfic writers and YouTubers. Good job, world. You did this. The, we can't have anything nice because of you. The dragon's name is kind of weird to me. Like, I like I like the, f- if he has even a surname, I like his first name, but the last name is kind of weird. The dragon's name in this is Vermithrax Pejorative. And mm-hmm. Vermithrax, I think, is a cool name for a dragon. That sounds like a dragon name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But pejorative being a word that we use to describe words that are like slurs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's, it is kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah. I th- no, I think that part of it's weird. Also, there was a weird line way back in that opening where um, Ulrich said, he says, quote, if it weren't for sorcerers, there wouldn't be any dragons. And this is never explained. No, he 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 goes he goes on, on to tell a story about like how dragons and and there sorcerers used, used to, to be fight. well right, and he's like there used to be a lot of dragons and they used to dot the skies and blah blah blah. And I'm like, did you mean to say that if it weren't for sorcerers, there would be more dragons? Like what? I was I was very right. confused about it. But he says specifically, if it weren't for sorcerers, there wouldn't be any dragons, as though they made them. The only thing I can think of is that um, that it was a weird way to say a, a different kind of thing, which is that dragons and sorcerers are connected in this world, I think. They, but they never explain they what never that do. means. But definitely this is 
one of those, you know, the magic is dying kind of worlds. Um, magic is fading out of being. These are the last few of the sorcerers we can presume um, and the last of the dragons. And we even have the whole thing where Christianity is coming to this world. Like religion is right. replacing magic. Which is something that I did, I did want to talk about. Something that kind of bothered me a little bit about this movie because... As far as I could tell from the beginning, this was this kind of set itself up as being in a fantasy world. Like it might as well be in a Middle Earth, you know, type place, right? Mm. Where um, it's all fictional places, you know, like Erland doesn't necessarily exist, although it it might. I know that you've got a note on that. Um, Ar- Arland spelled differently. Erland may be an archaic spelling of a place in uh, I think Norway, it's Norway. I think I think it's Norway. Looking for my note. Yeah, um, but this is totally yeah, a no, Western European fantasy and not like a Scandinavian definitely. fantasy. Oh, definitely. So, so I mean, then that, that's that's what this was to me was you know Western European fantasy in a fantasy world where there are dragons. The kingdoms are not real places. It's not real Europe. It is, but it is inspired, of course, by you know medieval Europe, uh, fashion and culture and all that kind of stuff. However, about halfway through this movie, they mention like specifically the Christian God. And I'm like, whoa, okay, so we are in the real world. We are in Europe, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that ultimately, and we will talk about this, I think that that ultimately the point of bringing the religious, the real world religious aspect into this movie um ultimately is kind of superficial it's mm, kind of yeah i think so too. It, there's kind of, there's kind of a gotcha moment at the end and it's like is that why you introduced Though this i think i think the reason they brought it in is because they were trying to show i think they failed at what they were trying to do and i think what they were trying to do is they were trying to set this up as a fantasy world where the magic is dying and it's like getting closer to our world as we know it because right. paganism is being replaced with with uh christianity right um and and as we replace it's kind of like you know once you once you stop believing in fairies then the fairies die right so like once people start pra- stop practicing magic and then the magic starts dying and and the dragons die and the sorcerers die and et cetera, et cetera. so so i feel like this is that's what they were going for was trying to create some lore like this showing how it could how this place became our place um but I don't think they do it well. I feel like when they first start in that last scene when we had the festival happening, you know, uh, Bilbo Baggins' birthday, <laughs> and they were all right. Right? It totally was Bilbo Baggins' totally. birthday. But yeah, um, I, like I get what you're I get what you're saying about that, and I do think that their their intention to well, kinda... like the, in that scene, they're just like, and the holy man showed up at the same time as the dragon died, and isn't that strange? And I'm like, the holy man, where the fuck did that come from? And we don't even see him in that scene, and it's just like we're already halfway through this movie, right? Are we about halfway? 
Uh, just about, yeah, we're about halfway through this movie. This shot right here of this statue, this dragon statue, was our hint for this episode. Uh, Eric Wallace, uh, who has correctly identified a few of the movies that we've done from our from our movie still game that we post on social media. Um, he correctly identified this movie. He was very excited that we were covering Dragon Slayer, and he just wanted to, he doesn't have a plug necessarily, but he just wanted everyone to know that he thinks that uh, the girl wasn't fooling anyone. Um, I love how the ground is smoking right there. Yeah, it's a really neat touch. In that moment. Did you know, did you, did you realize that, that Caitlin Clark, uh, that, I was, that I thought Val- something was, was off. That I Valerian was, was not a, off, but like, obviously like I knew I was suspicious from the get go. Okay. I was suspicious from the get go. I was sure. kind of, I, I, what, what I was, is I was sitting there thinking to myself, why did they get a female actress to play this male character? Right. Is what, that's what I was oh, thinking. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so that's, that's what I mean by suspicious. What the fuck is this princess doing down in the dungeons? <laughs> what is she doing down You're here? You're so angry about There's it. It's no reason. So that, she just wanders down here so that we can so that I mean, this is what other moment are we going to have to get close to her right. before she's brutally? Killed. No, this is this is what Shlovsky would call, you know, a necessary a necessary turn in the story. Like it's like when um when when Ulrich dies at the beginning, I'm like, why does Ulrich die? Why does he do? Why does he play this fucking game? Because he has to. What, because he has to? There's no because he has to. Instead of killing himself so that they could bring the ashes to the lake and blah, 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 blah. Couldn't he have just magically transported him? And if not, couldn't he just say, I look, guess. you have to go there? I guess. You have to go there. I mean, yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, you, I think you could ask the same question of, of you know, why did Obi-Wan have to die? Right. The, the which answer- is a que- which is a question that I like until I understood, you know, theming and character building and and narrative. Uh, as a kid, I never understood why he gave up in the fight against Darth Vader and just let himself be killed. Okay, I well, never understood the reason that, but- Ulrich dies. The reason Ulrich dies is so that there's a story. If Ulrich doesn't right. die, then there's... And it sounds like I'm being a smartass, but I'm not. And you can go read some Theory of Prose, and he talks about it. Shlovsky does it, talks does it about it. Does look like this. they're playing Jenga here? It does look like they're playing Jenga. With these lead bars? They're not. They're trying to do alchemy, but it looks like they're playing Jenga. Which but, is which is also another, uh, like, I don't even... It's not even a story, but it's like this sub, 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 sub motif or, or thread or something mm-hmm. uh, where uh, Ulrich talks about how his master... Uh, actually turned lead into gold, like successfully uh, did alchemy, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know they're they're trying to make alchemy work with the the pendant that they stole from Galen. But anyway, all I was saying though is just that like like theory of prose stuff here. You're 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 basically. Sometimes you have to do things because if you don't, there's not a story. Like the reason right. why Ulrich dies is so that there's a story. Right. If he didn't die, then there's no story. So sure. So like I get it, and I get. Yeah, I'm bitching about her going down into the dungeons, but if she didn't, then the story wouldn't move forward. So I get it, but I don't know. I, I like it to be less obvious. You want it to be more organic. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's a that, that's not some um, unless it is supposed to be kind of a, a caricature of a story. You know, if it's supposed to be a like satire, not satire even, but just like 
it's supposed to be we are obviously following a myth here or we are following folklore patterns or we're doing something like that. And that's obviously what it is. Which I have my own issues with. Like, I I feel like that when when fairy tales and I've got this whole theory and I've I've actually I've actually written about this before. Um, I have this whole theory about how like adaptations of really, really old myths and legends and folktales are largely largely unsuccessful in contemporary uh, narrative forms um, because those stories were written before we had like a consensus on uh, storytelling conventions, on character building, on uh, how a story arc should go, on how tension should feel, about the release of tension, about, you know, uh, theming and motifs and all that shit, right? Well, well, like in my... um in the most recent novel that I finished without, that, without, without, and what I mean to say is that they fail when they are not properly adapted and fully adapted, right. not only to the medium, but also the sensibilities of contemporary the modern audience. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, what I was going to say, like talking about that is the most recent novel that I finished that I've got out with agents right now. And I'm trying to, to get picked up is, um, it's a, it's a, uh, it has a bunch of retellings of folk tales in it. Is the thing that I want to talk about with this, where there are some chapters that are just straight up just retellings of uh, old Romanian folk tales, and, um, and even in those where it's pretty, I pretty closely follow the original sources. Um, but even in those, I still change the characters and stuff. Like I still, and I make. I make little like snide asides and stuff where I comment on the ridiculous things that they do because you can't not do that now. Like you can't just, you can't just say, and then she went and, and got 30 baskets of bread and brought them and she didn't question why the fuck she was getting 30 <laughs> baskets of bread because like you can't. Look, you have it's to Ian McDiarmid. Oh, make a comment. Welcome back to the podcast, Ian McDiarmid. Um, I, I, I wish we had seen you in a better movie before, but the only movie that we've done that you've been in, of course, was Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, in which you played Emperor, not, Man, not Emperor at that point, Senator Palpatine. Look at, look at, but look at him. Look at, um, it's beautiful. Look at how hard it is to make a circle out of sticks. <laughs> it is got to be really hard. His, his staff is definitely handmade and. They did a good job. They did as good a job as you can do trying to make a circle out of sticks. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to make a circle out of sticks. I mean, I've tried and they just break, so they don't want to be a circle. Anyway, um, uh, let's talk about the filmmaker, Matthew Robbins, who is not um, a very, very well-known filmmaker. or He's a writer-director. Um, he co-wrote this with his writing partner at the time, Hal Barwood. Um, and he does have some stuff under his belt that I think is kind of, uh, interesting. He directed the legend of Billy Jean, 1985. Uh, he directed batteries, not included from 1987 and his directing career specifically ended with, uh, bingo from 1991, which I didn't remember specifically, but looking it up, there's a dog with like sunglasses on the cover. So I've just got to assume that it's a film adaptation of the song about the dog with the bingo was his name. Oh, 
So there's that. But as a writer, um, he's actually pretty accomplished. Um, he's got quite a few credits, but um, th- probably the things that stood out the most to me were uh, he wrote the Sugarland Express. He co-wrote it with Hal Barland uh, for Steven Spielberg in 1974. Uh, and most recently, he's he's worked with uh, Guillermo del Toro twice. Um, he he wrote. Uh, Mimic in 1997 and also I wrote love, I love this dragon reveal here and he also wrote Crimson Peak in 2015 which I think is is really interesting um, Bar, the writer, his writing partner, um, Hal Barwood, who appeared to be his writer up until the mid 1980s, uh, at least until 1985 um, and then after that he wrote a couple of Indiana Jones game video games in the nineties and also Yoda stories. You probably don't remember that, but Yoda stories was like this PC uh, game that was ported to the, the game boy advance. I had the game boy advance port of Yoda stories. It was terrible, but apparently Hal Barwood, the co-writer of dragon slayer uh, wrote Yoda stories in some capacity. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, we're getting to see some of our, our first real dragon action, the dragon flying around and breathing fire on shit and burning this town. Some really beautiful shots. We've got a, a great cinematographer, Derek Van Lint, who only was the cinematographer. He only DP'd three feature films. Um, but Welcome back to the show because one of them, what a heavy hitter, heavy hitter was Alien from 1979. Oh, wow. uh, so the same cinematographer who shot Alien shot this movie, and that makes a lot of sense because Alien is a fucking gorgeous movie too. So, um, yeah, it's that's that's pretty impressive. So, so I wanted to to go back to something I was trying to say before I forget about it, but I was talking about the connection between the sorcerers and the dragons, and um, yeah. and. And I was talking about how uh, way back at the beginning, Ulrich says some stuff where he says this, he says a dragon this old knows nothing but constant pain and becomes spiteful. And, and the way he's talking about the dragon, I think you're supposed to realize that he's talking about himself too. Right. Um, And, and, and I think, I think they do do that pretty well throughout this movie. I mean, I, they, it could be done more. But I think I think there is some obvious like parallel stuff going on with the with the dragon and with the sorcerer and with dragons and sorcerers and how they're sort of being replaced by by modern more modern religion um, and all of that. I think it's there. I just don't think the movie fleshes all of it out, I guess, is how I feel about it. Um. Yeah, the, the I actually going back to I guess so so Valerian who uh, is played by Caitlin Clark um is now no longer parading around as a boy but is now um accepted um a life uh, as a girl. Yeah, we haven't talked about that whole scene. No, there was a whole scene where like, you know, they thought the dragon was defeated and we didn't really talk about the scene where where he kind of fought the dragon, so to speak. He didn't really fight him. He went in to the cave and ran out and cast this spell that dropped a bunch of rocks, and there was this avalanche. And they thought that they had sealed the dragon inside the cave there, thus defeating the dragon. And it was kind of weird him going up to the lair, too. That whole thing was kind of weird because um, because in that scene, it's like when he's 
what did they say? They say something like, uh, we're at the lair or we're almost at the lair. And I thought he, I thought Galen was going to be like, oh shit, we're doing this right now. Like I thought that's what was going to happen. Right. And instead what happens is they're like, we're almost at the lair. And he's like, I want to go see it. And they're like, whoa, not right now. And I'm like, why not? Why not right now? Why? What are you going to do? You got to take him home and feed him and do some talking I mean, and then have him go kill the dragon. Just let him go kill it. I mean, it's it's way, way, way in the movie before he even shows any kind of signs of doubt. Because, you know, when she says we're close to the lair, um, there's a line after that where she's just like, no, we're going to we got to go past the lair to get to the town. And that's where we're going, as opposed to. Hey, let's go to the lair right now. Let's just get this over with. And then we should see a moment of doubt. We should, I think, see a moment of doubt with Galen where he's like, whoa. Oh, shit. We're doing this now. But instead, he runs the to one the lair. Who's like, instead, they want to go to town and he wants to go right to the lair and he runs up there and he blah, blah, blah. And he pretends to be a sorcerer and he knocks some stones off of the mountain and whatever. Um, it was just and. And there was also, I don't know, there was a weird moment where the rocks are all falling and he's like, oh no, and he's trying to stop them from falling. And I'm like, why are you trying to stop them from falling? I mean, I guess there were people around and he was worried about their safety, but it's still... I think he just intended for that one big rock to fall, not all of them. Um, But anyways, what we should talk about, though, is her... Well, yeah, the scene after that where her father brings her out and, you know shows everyone it's like oh well, well. she well she does it she oh, he's okay. like you shouldn't do it but she's like no and she puts on a dress and she comes out right um okay so on one hand i there's a part of me that's like cool she's she's taking initiative and she's going to express the gender that she wants to express right that she wants to right and right. that's and so on one hand i'm like yeah, cool. But on the other hand, there's also this underlying thing that's kind of weird. That's and it's because of the way that it is. It you know is that she was born a a girl sex wise, and that she wants to look like a girl. And there there thus is this underlying tone of it being like, well, she's doing what she should. Like she's, 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 of course she wants to look like a girl where there's a part of me that would have appreciated her just being like, no, it's fine. I'll stay looking like a boy. Yeah. Also in this time, I mean, come on, like it's better for you. It's better. Just, (laughs) just stay looking like a boy. Oh, um, as unfortunate uh, as that is, why are you I think. saying oh? I mean, but it's true. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's 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 definitely true. And you know, there's this other layer to this where I'm like, if the issue is that, so they avoided having her be part of uh, what we're seeing right now, this lottery ritual where Some they sac- Shirley Jackson shit here. Yeah, no shit. Where they where they sacrifice. Uh, a virgin every so often to the dragon uh, to appease it or whatever. Uh, she is avoided being part of the lottery by, by acting, dressing as a boy by mm-hmm. presenting herself as a boy. Um, but there's another layer to that where I'm just like, but it has to be not only a girl, but, but a, a virgin. virgin. So you're going to parade your daughter around as a boy for her whole life, even though she doesn't want to, as opposed to just say, 
hey, you like the farmer's boy, don't you? Why don't you just go he's, spend he's some time with him? He's got a penis, which means he'd like to put it in something. Yeah, it's like, go spend some time with the farmer's boy. I'm going to turn my head, and that's just going to be that. And then you don't have to fucking worry about it. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, like these, these virgins here, she's got to be what? At least she's her characters. At least supposed to be sixteen oh, or seventeen. Oh, and for this fucking backwards ass time, way way into marrying age, right? Like, way I mean, beyond. Marrying I mean, people age. back then lived like thirty years, maybe. Oh yeah. I, I mean, we'd be ripe old age, about to die. Oh yeah, we'd be we'd be <laughs> just about done. <laughs> we'd be just about dead. Um, and. And so, like, people were getting married super fucking... I mean, pretty much it's like, has she had a period? Yeah. Okay, good. Marry her. So, so, I mean, girls were getting married super fucking young. And and so what, right? I mean, if you're, if you're gonna die at 30, you want to be fucking for at least half of that. <laughs> yeah. So, totally. so just, <laughs> just go ahead and, and just get it over with. I don't understand why they just aren't marrying their daughters off super young or just letting them go have promiscuous well, sex. Well, someone, I mean, someone's got to die, apparently. And that's another thing about this movie that I wanted to mention in the in the scene where uh, Galen had to prove himself, prove his magic to the king, and the king started getting pissed off, and that's where they stole the, the amulet from him. Um a good villain, a really good villain in a movie is is a villain that you can also see the side of. Mm-hmm. And the way the king kind of comes down on Galen, he says, who are you to show up in our town, in our kingdom and put our people at risk by attempting this, you know, this thing with the dragon, mm-hmm. uh, by attempting to kill the dragon? How do we know you're not going to fuck up and then we're all going to die? Like what we're doing now is, yeah, it might be barbaric that we're sacrificing one of our girls every so often uh, to this dragon so that the rest of us may live. But that's the sacrifice that they make. You know, we we make sure it's fair. And then, of course, w- the way he is a villain becomes more apparent when we discover that he hasn't been including his daughter's name. And that's why, you know, and, it's and not- we're supposed to believe other royalty and rich people aren't having to put their daughter's names in. Right. Exactly. So it's really just about, I mean, th- then it's a class issue there where it's like, but I feel like, again, that's another theme in here where it's like they sprinkle it in, but they don't really give a fuck. Right. They don't really talk about it, but I feel like the way he presents that argument to Galen is, is compelling where he, He's just like, who are you, an outsider coming here to potentially endanger all of our lives when we're do something we're doing something that we know is maybe barbaric, but ultimately saves lives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I like that 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 you can see the king's side of this. Yeah. And that, I think that a good villain should. A good villain should have a point of view that the viewer can say, Oh, I might not agree with it, but I get it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but so anyways, so we just saw the scene where the king's daughter, 
uh, put her name in as all of the names in in the bucket so that she right. would be chosen. Which might be overkill. I think it's overkill. She just needs to go back and do it for all the years that she has been. Right. I think I think that that's really the fairest way. I mean, oh, but is it that fair? Oh my god! I'm thinking of Hunger Games now and how there was all this stuff in the book where like if you wanted extra food, then I think you would put your name in the bucket an extra time or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. And there there was all this stuff about like getting your name written in extra times yeah um oh, i remember that I, I, I don't i don't know if the movie i don't think the movies think, do any of it but th- in the book oh i remember at least you telling me about it but i do i think it might be in the movies too i don't think so um anyway yeah so she she does kind of overdo it by putting her name in the bucket way more times than she should like like you said i think that she should have probably just just done it as many times as she you know as the years that she missed and then also the other girls that all the other people that are, you know, in high society that haven't had to put their names in. Why not just have like. Yeah, she should just do it for all of them. Yeah. Why, yeah. But why also not just have like one also, year where just like the rich people have to. Also, put our in. character, uh, Valerian, needs to put her fucking name in there like 16 times or whatever, too. Yeah, uh, that's true. Right. And that's a whole thing here where like the princess is all up on it and she's like, but and, really, oh, is a... Valerian any different? And Valerian's down there like, let it stand. Yeah, let, let it, it stand. stand. <laughs> and it's like, but bitch, you've been hiding it's too. Like, Hold on. That's kind of shitty. <laughs> that's kind of shitty. You, I mean, especially you because the princess, like the princess is not shitty. Like she seems no. to be cool. Yeah. She's just like. This is wrong. I didn't know it was happening. Now I'm going to fix it and sacrifice myself. You know. And and there's no. I mean, no, she dies immediately. She totally does, which is another thing where it's just like. Totally unexpected. You, you expect a character who, you know, is willing to sacrifice themselves for the good of everyone or to make a wrong right or something will then be spared because of, you know, that's how karma, karma works. Movie karma works. And then she totally fucking dies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is brutal. And we don't come back to it at all. Wow, Disney movie. This is brutal as um, fuck. And now Valerian's on a fetch quest to get dragon scales. Other way to solve this problem. How about everybody just move? How about we just leave Dragonland? It's not that easy. Yeah? I think it is. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. I think you just leave. I mean, the dragon- You just let the dragon have it. The dragon could follow you. I mean, what does the dragon want? I don't know that they know what the dragon wants. I feel like in I feel like in almost all of those kind of stories where it's just like, well, we're sacrificing a virgin because we don't fucking know what it wants. And, <laughs> and that's I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean okay. let, let's be fair. It's like we're, we're a society run by dudes. And what do we want? Virgins, I guess. So I guess that's what the dragon wants. I guess that's what the dragon Actually, wants. Actually, it's just a giant virgins. lizard and it just wants to destroy. Yeah. So why don't you just like breed a bunch of cows and just give it some cows? I don't think it's going to care. They probably Probably taste better. Yeah. Probably do. Oh, these awesome dragon baby puppets. But there we go. There we go with one of the weirdest things about this movie because it's going to happen again. It does. It happens a couple times. So Valerian's on a fetch quest right now and she's going to get herself some dragon scales. Um, so that she can take them back to someone and craft a shield and then she can, well, she crafts the shield herself. I'm being a smart ass. And then she can level up 
Um, <laughs> she's going to get 300 XP and 24 gold. Yeah, they never they never really form a party in this. They do not. Um, but yeah, she's totally on a fetch quest right now. She's got a basket and she's collecting scales and very cool. I'm I'm saying it sarcastically, but actually I think it's really cool. And then a mob spawns. Right, a mob spawns and um and it attacks her and we don't see what happens. She's just like it's like, oh my god, it's a freaking little then, baby dragon. And then we cut to the next sh- next scene, and then we cut back to here, and right now she's fine. And she's still there. Like, they're still kind of in the area of the dragon Right, the lair. mobs could still spawn in this area, we would <laughs> suspect. <laughs> so, uh... So she's got, you know, she's collect. Not only has she collected the dragon scales on this one outing, she is also complete. How the fuck did she put that shield together? She has t- a- a- totally constructed the dragon scale shield. Now you got to take those scales back to some specific person in that town. Is, that is a very high level item. And they're going to take the scales and they're going to put them together. And they're probably, they did it because you had to do some favor for them or something. I mean, that's one way that you could fix being a virgin. <laughs> I wasn't talking about I that. Mean, I mean, she could, to be fair, she could really. Is just... that part of her quest? Your quest is go get the scales and suck my dick. <laughs> that's, And then you'll get 24 XP. Well, and, she, oh, I said 300 XP. I, and I would say gold. the blacksmith doesn't have to know. Well, the blacksmith is her dad. Right? Yeah. But, well, the guy who, whoever it is that puts together the shield doesn't have to know that she's actually benefiting more from the sexual favors than they know. It's just like, well, why don't you have sex with me, shucks? I guess uh, we're going to have to have the sex with you, and then you can make the shield for me. Oh, you're saying because then she wouldn't be in the lottery anymore. Right. Not that she was in the lottery ever. <laughs> I I was just saying, you know, that usually quests in video games don't involve sexual favors. Unless I mean, <laughs> oh my God! Though there is there is a game that's got oh what is the game that's got the fucking sexual favors? In? It's not se- it's not sexual favors. There there's oh fuck! Someone please remind. It's it, it's called Puff Puff or something like that. <laughs> what? Oh God! What is the game? It's like oh fuck! I can't remember. It's not Wild Arms, is it? It can't. It's not Wild Arms, is it? Is it Suikoden? It might be Suikoden. Shit. I can't. Oh, no, no. It's Dragon Quest. It's Dragon Quest. <laughs> Dragon Quest has sexual favors? Well, in one of the, in I think in one of the early Dragon Quest games, you run across this girl in her house and she's just like, I can heal you and I know how to. I know how to heal you with my special puff, 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 or something like that. <laughs> I'm going to do the puff, puff on you, and it's going to make you feel real good. And and then the screen goes black, <laughs> and like there's a little dialogue box that's like, puff, 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 puff. And then it comes back, and your health is all better. I don't know. It's, it's really weird. So Dragon Quest, puff, puff, is is code for, for sex, healing, sexual healing. That's not a healing. quest. Um, and then there's also that thing in... There's also that uh that suggestion in uh Super Mario RPG that you found Princess Peach's dildo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. And, like you open the drawer and you're like, I wasn't supposed to see that. Or something. Or, it's just or like something. it's Princess Peach's like asterisk marks. Oh my god. And and Toad is like, You're not supposed to see that. 
It's like, what else could that be? I'm sure it's supposed to be like a diary or some dumb shit like that. But why did they bleep it out? Like that just, <laughs> like my mind goes immediately to the to dirtiest dildo. thing. It's just like. Immediately to dildo. I'm fucking like 13 years old and all I can think about is just like dicks and dildos and <laughs> vaginas and just like that. That's it. And I'm playing Super Mario RPG and I'm just like, did I just find Peach's dildo? <laughs> I can think about his dicks. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not a boy. It's hard being a 13 year old boy. I bet. I bet it is. I mean, it's hard. I don't think so. You time. don't have a period, so shut the fuck That's up. That's true. That's true. That's fair. Um, there's no point in your puberty where you just start bleeding. So, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure you still had it better. Okay. Where was I? I had something in my notes I wanted to say that wasn't that wasn't about fetch quests leading to hand jobs. Um, um, can we start talk talking about how long this fucking movie is? Yeah, go ahead. And how like all fantasy movies feel the need to be at least two hours long, and very, very, very few of them earn it. Um, I think. Okay, to be fair. I think the Lord of the Rings movies are masterpieces. I love them. I love every one of them. I think Two Towers might be my favorite. But I do think as long as they are, like, I, I feel like those movies probably earn the right to be like two and a half hour long movies each. No, they, they earn it. But they not fucking three and a half and four hour long uh, it's movies. It's fine. No. It's fine. No. It's fine. That's irresponsible. Just go to sleep to it. <sighs> They're not sleepy time movies, though. Those are it's fine. actually I, I watch them. them sometimes. Oh, okay. No, it's fine. I mean, but anyway, no, I I don't know what it is about fantasy movies. Maybe it is the the nature of being an epic or feeling like you need to be an epic and like living up to that standard of like, you know, the swords and sandals epics of the '60s, like Ben Hur and you know Spartacus and shit like that. I is it is it that that length of a movie like the longevity of a runtime contributes to that feeling of oh we're watching something that's somehow more or somehow more important or better well i think than something one of, that's I short think one of the reasons digestible. is because here's here's a here's a real thing dustin here's a real thing which is that when you set a movie in today now or even yesterday but earth real earth yeah you don't have to do a whole fucking lot of world building. You right. just don't have to. Right. Um, because I know what Earth looks like. And and if it's set in, you know, I'm obviously if it's set in a particular kind of place or a specific country or whatever, then sure, or a particular time period, you're going to have to do world building in that sense. But it's still so familiar even then comparatively. Like you don't have to learn the, the rules of gravity. You know, right. like you don't have to. I know. Well, I and mean, so, I know, and I, I think that's a large reason why fantasy movies and novels tend to tend to get pretty lengthy is because but is I, because they've got a lot to the, fucking do. Here's the thing: I get that with Lord of the Rings because oh you can. God. Oh, this is the fucked up shit. So wonderful. So the princess was actually sacrificed, and she like ran away and ran into the cave, and now the baby dragons are fucking eating her. Oh yeah, and there's blood and gore, and this and dragon is ripping it rips off, off her foot. 
you're we're about to see it, right? We actually see it. Oh right? yeah, we see it. And look, he that, yeah, look at that. That dragon fucking ripped off her foot. It ripped off her foot. And then he cut off its head. It's awesome. And like sliced through its head. This like a, it wasn't even like a clean cut at the neck. Like it was through the head. Yo, this is a Disney movie. There's some major gore right there. This is a Walt Disney production. Like I would I would in that scene be putting my hand over my kid's eye. Like I don't want to I want them to see someone's foot get eaten. That's fucked up. It's brutal. Awesome. I love it. I do too. <laughs> um, but talking about like runtime in movies, I, f- I feel like if a movie's actually going to do world building, then yes, that can be forgiven to some extent. This reminds me of R.O.U.S.'s, by the way. Oh, from Princess Bride, uh, which prob- which would have been uh, in this month of movies had we not already oh, done God, it. Oh, God, yeah. But we had. Um, what I'm saying about runtime, fantasy movie runtimes, is that that if they actually do the world building, that is forgivable. I don't think most of the fantasy movies that that are like two hours long really do that much. I don't think this movie does that much world building. I don't think Lady Hawk does that much world building. What do we really know about that world when that movie's over? Like the world itself. We I know. mean, I get, I get what you're saying, but it, but it's just like we even criticized it for them just kind of brushing over. It's just like, oh, and there, we're in a in a drought or something, and then we can't, know, we can't, we can't tax the poor people. Look, anymore. I agree. There, this movie, we are about to be at where I believe is the end of the movie. Right. When this we, is pretty yes. much it right here. When he goes down to this lake that's got fire on it, I don't know how he's so dumb that he doesn't remember that he's supposed to throw the ashes into the burning lake. I mean, I'm pretty sure that if someone says burning lake to me while they're dying, I'm going to remember it, A. And then when I see fire on water for the first time in my life, I'm going to make a connection. You're be like, oh, burning lake. Better throw the ashes in. Um, and if he did it at this point in the movie, like, I don't understand why he couldn't do it at this point in the movie. And then, uh, you know, uh, Ulrich comes back and then they have to escape the this cave together right and, and then they and still then they do can, the big dragon battle yeah, and they can do all the stuff that they do with the dragon battle but instead like this movie and fuck your rules of three or whatever like you don't have to go back to the cave a third time in this movie he went there once he did a thing thought he succeeded but actually failed this is him returning to re to to right the wrong right right but instead he comes here this time and fails again and then leaves and realizes what he did wrong the second time and then has to go back a third time. And it just makes the movie like it makes the movie like 30 minutes longer than it needs. Yeah, to be. because after this scene, I think we've still got like 20 minutes left in the movie. And that's just unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Okay, so I wanted to go back to a line that made me laugh. When he when he's trying to get his magic weapon to kill the dragon with, right? Um, he's he asks the blacksmith, he says, Blacksmith, have you ever forged a weapon? And I'm like, What the fuck do you think he does all day? He, <laughs> he just only makes horseshoes? I mean, maybe. I, I mean, don't know. I guess. Is I a, guess. Sure. I mean, like now, that duh. Might be, that might be a reasonable question. But I don't think so. I think that back then everybody had swords and daggers and shit. So sure, he made he made more than horseshoes. The dragon, also, he's a blacksmith in a fantasy movie. The dragon looks pretty dope, but don't look too close at like the line where he's supposed to be coming out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> 
looks kind of shitty. But the dragon himself looks the cool. The dragon is awesome. Yeah. I love the dragon effects in this movie. I love the fire. That, apparently the special effects artists used like two military grade flamethrowers for some of like the off screen, you know, coming onto screen fire effects. Mm. Um, the puppet that they use for the dragon is super cool. And then we're about to see like how the dragon walks, which I, I feel like is like this weird. And you, I said lizard, you said bat, but then like putting those two things together, it makes sense. You know, it looks like it crawls around like a lizard bat might crawl around. Yeah. Um, Another thing about the weapon. Yeah. And we're about to see him sort of crawl around here. Yeah. Cool. Right here. Yeah, the way he's like, the way he's crawling. Totally, I get the lizard, but all I can think of is we used to get bats in our house in Japan. Um, they lived in the in the Genkan up in the in the entranceway. <laughs> the Genkan. Um, and, the foyer. Yeah, I don't know. It's a specific thing. It you don't have a place in an American house where you take off your shoes. That's true. Where like specifically, and then you like step up into the house. So right. it's one of those words that you just right and you italicize it and people can google it um but so so like they lived up in in we had a really really high entrance way it was super high it went way up past our second floor and it went like up into the roof it was super high and um they would live up there and in the summers they'd have their babies and they were an endangered species so we couldn't get rid of them i mean we could have gone to more effort but just fuck it there's no rabies in japan so so what um and so they... Oh, he did escape. He left his shield and stuff and he escaped, right? Galen? Oh, no. No, he's no, still... No, he's about to do... His, oh, that's He right. left his shield as a because he's tricking the dragon and he's going to jump on it and stab it. But so in the summer, the bats would have babies and they'd teach them how to fly inside our house. And um, sometimes they would fall onto the floor and the cats would get them. And, and we'd have to pick them up and take them outside. Put them outside so that they could fucking just fly back into the house. But the way that, you're right, the way they crawled around. Yeah, the way like their little bodies, they'd like when they were on the floor and they'd be crawling, trying to get away from the cats. Yeah, that's what he looks like. Our cats killed more than, more than a couple. Ooh, they get so mad when we try to take those bats away from them. Oh my God. Yes. You could always tell, too. Like I, <laughs> May would give herself away every time. <laughs> May would give herself away because we wouldn't necessarily know that she was, like, sitting on a bat or, like, kind of ho- hiding a bat that she had been messing with. But <laughs> we would, like, come around, like, we would walk past her and we would just hear her go, like that. <laughs> and you're like, what's wrong? And we look down oh, and go, got a bat. you've got a fucking bat, don't you? <laughs> And reach down and lift her up, and sure enough, she'd be sitting on top of a bat. <laughs> They'd get so angry. Those she would. Bats. She'd act super well, weird. She'd get angry, but the bats would be so angry. May too. would act so super weird that you would just know. You'd be like, "You've got a fucking bat, don't you?" you? Got a bat. Um. Okay. Yeah. So that was that. Why'd they make a new weapon? Why'd they do that? Because he was like, I've got a weapon already. And they pull it out of the water where I guess he was hiding it or cooling it. I don't know a lot about blacksmithing. So maybe they're keeping it in the water. Was part I would of, imagine if it's was... made of iron, that would just rust it. Wouldn't, would it not? Well, if it's fresh water, no. Really? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Probably. Here we go. Yes, probably. See, look, this is, the so second, this is the second time they've done this. 
So before, she was collecting the dragon scales on her fetch quest. Right. She was attacked by the baby dragons, and then suddenly she's just not in. We uh, see her being attacked and anymore. see her scream, and then the next time we see her, she's like not in that situation. She's finished building the shield. The last time we saw Galen, he was hiding behind his shield, and the dragon was breathing fire on him, right on top of him, and then she runs across him, and he's kind of passed out but he's fine yeah he's outside and he's what fine. happened it's like it's weird it's so weird they must have just cut some stuff that has to be I what guess. happened because because with all this with all the kind of important stuff that it seems like they cut in this movie the first cut of this sh- had to have been like four hours long or some shit i mean it just feels like in those scenes you know that that i don't know it's just like, oh my gosh, your character's in a really dire situation. What's going to happen? Well, they're fine. It's okay. We're not going to tell you how they got out of it because that would take a lot of effort. And, and let's just skip it. They they were okay. Weren't you scared? Wasn't it scary when you thought they were going to die? It's, just, no, it's weird. There's no resolution to those scenes. It's weird. Um, this was the first, I mentioned, uh, Phil Tippett and Dennis Muren earlier, um, who worked on the special effects on this movie. Uh, this was the first film to use go motion, uh, which is a variant of stop motion animation in which parts of the model, um, in this case, of course, the dragon were mechanized and the movement was programmed by a computer. Uh, so during shooting, the computer would move the model while the camera was shooting, which would then result in motion blur, which makes the animation more convincing. That's... Go motion. Um, going back to what I was talking about before, the weapon. Why'd they have to remake it? I don't understand. Because remember, they pulled it out of the water, and it was like already made. It was a spear, and then they were like, "I don't know that they remade it, did they?" I thought. Well, that they remember, just... then there was the whole scene, like they showed us how sharp it was. It was cutting metal, and then all of a sudden, we saw them forging a weapon. Maybe they were making it magic. I think they were making it sharper, or magic. Uh, no, he was imbuing it with magic. Okay. Remember, because he used the, uh, he used his amulet to make it glow and then they, uh, forged it some more. I don't know what the terminology is. They, um, ha- they hammered it. Also, some more. we didn't talk about the scene where after she got the scales for him and made him the shield and like they're sitting there and she's, and she says to him, I'm still a virgin and there will be more lotteries. <laughs> and he's sitting there and you're just like, dude, that's, dude, that's your, your in. That's your in right there. Just poke it. You got to be like, um, I, I can, can help you with that. <laughs> it sounds like you have a virginity problem and I have a penis. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> It's so gross. We we want him to be. We want him. We want Galen to be a creep, but he's not a creep. Like he's not a creep. He looks like a creep. He does, he but he's does. not actually a creep. Yeah, he does. I mean, they kiss. I don't know. Maybe they do it. And then we just saw him. Like we we just saw him look into the water, like into the lake, a regular ass lake, and see a vision of fire in the water. And then he's like. Oh, a lake of fire, as opposed to having that aha moment when when he was see a lake of fire. He was standing surrounded by an actual (laughs) lake of fire. It's so stupid. It's really unforgivable. What? Oh my god! Um, I still like this movie a whole lot, but there's a lot of dumb shit in it that that's just it's just irritating, you know. 
But there's have a lot we, of really cool stuff. Found, okay, so we're we're about up. Oh, yeah, there we go. Peter right Mc, there. Well, Peter McNichol did. This is interesting. Peter McNichol, who plays Galen, National Treasure. Uh, oh, it was cool when he stabbed the dude through the post too. Should have been Sorry. a rock. Should have been a rock. Should have stabbed Tyrion through a rock. But it was still cool. I mean, we saw that spear cut the fucking anvil. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it should have been a rock. Uh, Peter McNichol is embarrassed by this movie. Really? He does not put it on his resume. Like, people know that he's in <laughs> Right, you don't get to not. Like <laughs> it's like people know, but he doesn't, like, put it on there like, and I was in Dragon Slayer, just so you know. I wonder if he puts Bean on there. But <laughs> want, not Dragon Slayer? I wonder Slayer? if he's like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but Bean, you saw Bean on there, right? I was in Bean. I was in Bean. Rowan Atkinson, real actor, acted opposite Rowan Bean is right there. You think? How is this dragon making babies? Um, asexual reproduction. I don't know. That's Godzilla rule, like Godzilla, Godzilla ninety nine, ninety eight, whatever the Roland Emmerich. I love Godzilla all the bird, the bird, all the blood, bl- bl- all the blood spurting out of the dragon, like during the battle. That was pretty cool. Um, lots of oopy goopy. Yeah, there's some and, nice. Oopy-goopy and if you've been listening to our show long enough, you should know that we really appreciate some good oopy goops. And this movie's got uh, quite a bit of oopy goopy. Uh, this scene right here, uh, Galen goes back to the dragon's lair, and apparently there's no dragon there now or something. I don't know. We um, saw we saw her father give her a cross too as a necklace. Right. So again, showing that shift from paganism to Christianity, I guess. And and um here and he's had his whole aha. He couldn't walk. He knew he wouldn't make the journey, so he had us make it for him. And I'm like, why didn't he just tell you to go do it or whatever? I guess I don't know. Whatever. Shlovsky, right? You, you wouldn't have a story. He has to die. Um okay, but big boo on this fucking movie moment is when this this shadow before Ulrich appears, the shadow that appears in the fire Kind of looks like an Oscar. It does. Which might be wishful thinking on the part of this movie. <laughs> um, like, I, I feel like in that shot of, like, the, the Oscar in the fire, it should just, like, little letters should come up for your consideration. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so big boo on this movie moment is back when him and Valerian, Galen Verla- Valerian, are walking into the, into the cave and... And he says something about, like, you should stay here or whatever because it's dangerous. And she says, I'm not afraid. After all, I was a man. Oh. Mm-mm. Problematic. Mm-mm. That's some problematic shit. Yeah, That's I didn't like that not, either. Not that hit me cool. hit me totally the wrong way. I, mean, I was doing fine with you, movie. We were doing okay on that. More on that. or More less. More or less. Besides, you know, gender norming and et cetera, um, it more or less it was fine. But then you gotta go and throw that in there and piss me off. Thanks, nineteen eighty one. Um, this was we keep saying this was a Walt Disney movie. This is also, I think, Paramount had as much of a hand in this as Walt Disney did. It's a, also it, then she immediately got scared. By the way, which was right, <laughs> yeah. Um. Where Galen turns around and then he's like, a man, were you? Ha, 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 ha. Not like me. Check out this penis. Yeah, because she saw the, she saw the, uh, the, can we say, befooted? 
what? Instead of beheaded. Oh, oh, okay. The befooted princess. Befooted princess. <laughs> I thought you were, I, I don't know why, but I, I thought you were referring to something that had feet. Like... <laughs> Like something that had feet that maybe doesn't usually. Like you, have to, you have to have an adjective for having Look feet. Look at that befooted creature. <laughs> like it has feet? No, no. Mostly, I don't think befooded. you have to. Oh my God. <laughs> no, no, like beheaded. Okay, the befooted princess. That's 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 cute. Uh, yeah, what I was saying is that this is, this is a co-pro between Walt Disney and Paramount, so... Um, I think I think Paramount was probably one that's like, come on, Walt, come on, just just a little bit of Dick Shadow, just a, <laughs> just a tiny bit of side nip, you know, <laughs> just a little bit of befooting the princesses, <laughs> you know, just just a, just a smidge of the oopy goopy. No, not a big deal. Oopy goopy is a dragon movie after all. Maybe that was Paramount. That was Pro- Paramount, probably. <laughs> Um, Vermithrax, but this is IMDb trivia, so take this with a grain of salt. Vermithrax pejorative roughly translates as the worm of Thrace, which makes things worse. It translates in what? Latin, probably. Okay. Right? Vermithrax sure. pejorative, I guess. I mean, what what else would it be? Not Greek. It has to be Latin. Um, or maybe fake fantasy film film fantasy language. That's what I was wondering. Um, some more trivia, including the hydraulic 40-foot model. Holy shit. Wow. Uh, 16 dragon puppets were used for the role of Vermithrax, each made for flying, crawling, and breathing fire. Wow. I mean, this really was, you know, we, we've already mentioned Jurassic Park. This, I feel like this really was kind of like test run for Jurassic Park. Yeah. Which came out some, would have been uh, like 13 years later, 12 years later, something like that, 12 years later. Um, what you doing, Gandalf the White? He's totally, Gan- like totally Gandalf the White, like dressed in white, comes back from the dead in white robes. After- yeah, I know. It's totally, it's totally Gandalf the White. Yeah, completely. And he's about to fight the Balrog, so. Which, you know, Gandalf the Grey fights the Balrog. Fuck it, right? Whatever. That's true. Um, this is cool. The clouds coming over the mountains. Mm-hmm. It's a neat shot. There's a lot of really cool stuff in this, like, final battle scene right here. Um, most of which I feel could have used a nice heavy metal soundtrack mm-hmm. especially when he's shooting lightning bolts at the dragon <laughs> like he's causing lightning bolts to come out of the clouds to hit the dragon i just i want to hear some some face melting guitar solo <laughs> so i i don't know if they've already showed it or if they're about to show it they've maybe already showed it but um so people were being baptized in the village right right to protect them from the dragon conceivably um surprise it's not gonna work obviously but but also but i guess it kind of does on one hand because the dragon's gonna die and they're gonna say it was christianity that saved them um but interesting the way that this movie paints religion 
if not as like a bad character as a as an ineffective one. Yeah. Totally ineffectual. Yeah. And I think that that it's like they build that thread that runs through, but I don't think that it actually um, interacts and intertwines with the main theme or uh, or the narrative in an interesting way. And like I said before, it and we'll get to the moment, but I think it really just builds to a, a gotcha moment at the end of the movie that is like, oh, <laughs> that's cute. What a stab at religion that that was and she's about she's about valerian's about to do this whole thing where she's like destroy it now destroy the amulet now he told you to destroy the amulet and he's like no i have to wait until i know it's right here you see she's like telling him to destroy it i don't know why they're doing this with their characters right now it's weird and she like fights him over it it's just weird it is a weird i think they just wanted some tension between the that's, two characters well, I mean, in this moment and it does not come across naturally well, it gives them something to do but it is not not natural. Yeah. I don't understand why she would be doing that and suddenly he has logic and suddenly he makes good choices. Why? It is really funny what destroying the amulet actually does though. <laughs> <laughs> but also symbolically it works. Sure. But it's mostly funny. Um I mentioned the heavy metal soundtrack that should be in this movie. We didn't really talk about the music a whole lot. Uh, the music in this movie is wallpaper, which I feel, oh, that's a fucking amazing shot yeah, right there. Yeah, like, yeah. The dragon breathing fire down on Yeah, it's beautiful. On Ulrich. Um, Ulrich's one shot that is shit less cool, but. does not affect Gandalf. <laughs> and he's like, Fuck this stuff. broke my stick. Fucking um, fire stick. Um, but we didn't talk about the music. The music in this movie is wallpaper. I think it's better, um, if less ambitious, if you want to call it that, than, <laughs> than Ladyhawk. Um, That's a word. The music in this movie is is uh, composed by Alex North, who has tons of credits, um, mostly in the 1950s and 60s. Uh, but he notably uh, uh, composed the scores for The Dead and Good Morning Vietnam which were both from 1987, a few years after this. Um, so, yeah, we're in the final battle. Running out of things to talk about. This, no. is, this is an issue with this with this movie. I feel like we had this issue with Lady Hawk, too, is just these movies are so really I wanted So I wanted to talk about the fact that um, the thing that I really like about this movie is the same thing that I really like about uh, Warcraft, Yes. Oh, okay. And I do have that in my notes here. Like, I do appreciate a fantasy movie that goes for it. As I right. as I kept saying to you when we were watching this, like this movie just fucking goes for well, it. Well, it's like we watched Warcraft. What last weekend did we rent it? Yeah, um, yeah I think so. And I mean, it's not good, but um, it is. A beautiful mess. Yes, it's a beautiful mess. That is a good way to say it. It is a beautiful mess. Um, <laughs> so destroying the amulet <laughs> detonates the wizard? <laughs> like, you didn't hear that wrong. He destroyed the amulet and Ulrich literally blew up. Exploded. <laughs> like, exploded while the dragon was holding him. And so thus the dragon gets all gross too and dragon pieces go everywhere. And oopty goopty. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, go ahead. But yeah, so so we watched Warcraft. So we watched Warcraft, and like like the moments when the mage like goes to 
to cast a spell and the other guy puts his hand over his mouth to stop him from casting the spell. And like, I mean, all of it was just oh, yeah. there, like, I mean, there were a lot of moments where I was like, fuck yeah, tons, fantasy. I mean, tons of magic in that movie that they don't, they don't even try to apologize for on any level. And I mean, that's not even counting all just the fan service of being like, oh my God. I mean, the first characters in the movie that we are asked to sympathize with are big green and brown oh, orcs look at this with delicious oopy goopy. This dragon gore. That's what this oh, is. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh my God. So yeah, so, War- Warcraft does not qualify for this month because it was not made in the 80s. It was made last year. Talos, save us. It's a dragon. <laughs> so you're the dragonborn I've been hearing so much about. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just going to be an is NPC. He gonna, is he going to try to shout? That would prove it. Is he going <laughs> to collect that soul? Gotta get that dragon soul. <laughs> So you can buff up that Vassar Da. So. What is he saying there? When when you collect the dragon soul and the little music cue plays and it's like, rah, flag, rah. I think it's just that. I think oh. you just got it. Okay, cool. Got it. <laughs> Man, um, that is an oopy goopy dragon. I love it. But, but we you, were talking about Warcraft. You just. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. I got Skyrim for a minute there. Um. Anyway, we stopped. We we watched Warcraft and it was it's it is a narrative mess. Oh yeah. But it is ambitious and it fucking goes for it and it's the nerdiest shit I've seen in a long fucking time. So if you like big, nerdy, ambitious, beautiful messes, that's the movie for you. Uh, it's not a good movie, I don't think, but it's you know it was fun. It's long too. It's like two hours, of course. Um, and here we have the 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 mo- the moment I've been alluding to this whole time. The uh, that um, uh, gotcha moment with the religious themes where after all the work they did in slaying the dragon, uh, all the people come over the hill and the religious leader is just like, look what the Lord has done for us. We shall forevermore forsake pagan deities and worship spirit. Like they say, they're going to forsake paganism and they're going to use Christianity. Even though, even though paganism saved them. And then the king gets up and like kind of ceremoniously puts the sword against the dead dragon. And he's and just like, like oh, Cassiodorus Rex, sir. our king, has, def- has slayed the dragon. And Galen's like, you fucking serious with so this both, shit? So both we are we are drawing a parallel between the king and Christianity right there. Both of them taking um taking credit for slaying the dragon that Galen slayed. Damn if that's not saying something to people who you know, recover from a medical, oh, no shit. a medical that's, problem. That's, that is religion. For and you, they're right? like, Jesus, thank you so much for helping cure my cancer. And I'm like, bitch, how about the doctors? <laughs> the doctors are standing by like, gee, thanks. Wow. wow yeah, cool. we didn't do anything. So definitely. I'm, ge- I'm glad I'm repaying my student loans to Jesus. <laughs> oh, I'm not. Oh, okay. Um, fuck this music right here. That's what I want to say about the end oh, of this movie. Oh, yeah, totally. So the soundtrack, we were praising the soundtrack for not being like super great or anything like that. Alex North, of course, was was the guy who originally scored. <laughs> Hold on. Alex North was the guy who originally scored uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey before Stanley Kubrick decided not to use 
his score. And some of that music was used in this. Some of that music from the original 2001 score was used in this movie. And it's fine. Like, it's like, I, I get why maybe Stanley Kubrick didn't want to use it because it's not memorable. Um, mostly wallpaper, but not uh, distracting like in Lady Hawk. Um, but yeah, right here at the end of the movie, the soundtrack goes full Looney Tunes. <laughs> it does. And just, just out of nowhere. And just straight up shits the bed. <laughs> like this movie, sound, I mean, soundtrack wise, this movie had a wonderful night's sleep, rested really well. It's it was just, just about time to wake up. Blinking its eyes open. It's like, oh, wow, what a beautiful... <laughs> And just creams the bed. That's what this soundtrack just did. <laughs> right at the end. It's so sad. Right at the end. Right at the we end. We were so close. Home stretch. Home stretch. We were You've only got to not poop the bed so close. for, like, so for close. like two more minutes. We were almost at the fade to black. Almost at the fade to black. We saw like the, the closing... Um, uh, we, we get a, 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 a finishing, uh, an end title, um, uh, plate. And he sees the horse and you don't know if it's magic or it's Ulrich or whatever it is, but they get on the horse and they're going to ride away and we just get Looney Tunes, just some derp, 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 and you're like, why, why, <laughs> why did you suddenly do that soundtrack? Oh my God. So final thoughts on this movie are, I like it. Um, I like it, though I've great. talked about... It's not great, but I like it. I I've like talked it. about the problems. I love how fantasy it is. Um, yeah. There are some weird narrative things that happen, and there's a couple things with the characters that I'm kind of mm, about. But it's about. fun. The special, but it's mostly the, fun. The special effects are good. Um, and good, good for the time, but still fun. Like, it's still fun to watch. And also, it just really makes me want to play Skyrim, so... I'm probably just going to go get Taco Bell and do that now. Oh, and, awesome. And that's uh, going to be the rest of the night. Thanks, Dragon Slayer. Yep, I like it. Good movie. Um, not great, but yeah, it's fun. It's fun. And I'm, I'm glad that we did this. And I'm glad that I finally got you to come around on, on Dragon Slayer after many years of trying to get you to watch this with me. Uh, but yeah, that should wrap us up. As always, you can find us on our website at popcornpoops.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. Uh, on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Popcorn Poops or individually. I am at Dusty Cram Cram. I am at J Casper Kramer. Please like our Facebook f- page and follow us on Instagram and on Twitch, uh, which is our Pixel Poops channel. And you can find that at twitch.tv slash thepixelpoops. Uh, you can also support the show by going to our shop on our website and buying some merchandise or just just donating to us we have a big donut big pink donut button on our website and that's how you can donate to the show or you can go to audibletrial.com slash popcorn poops and uh and sign up for a free trial uh in which you will receive an audiobook that's yours to keep forever uh whether or not you continue that trial after it expires after 30 days uh every week we like to highlight a friend of the show shine a little light on some some other uh movie podcasts that are doing great work and this week we would like to send you over to junk food dinner and you can find those guys at junkfooddinner.com uh next week Hmm. what will we be watching well we will be continuing hashtag 80s fantasy month with don coscarelli's 1982 film the beastmaster hell yes i am super excited 
excited. A little, little sad that our first Coscarelli film wasn't Phantasm, but you can't win them all, and that's fine. Beastmaster's a good choice. Looking forward to it. Uh, so until next time, take care. Bye-bye. We are the Popcorn people.